Well, Clint and Keith, thank you so much for being here today on Talking Church. Excited to chat with you guys about just some exciting things. Clint, you are our director of operations. And Keith, you stepped on the team recently, been an elder for many years and been stepping on the team, helping with staff development, HR, um, a lot of different areas as well. And you have a background in that as well. Could you, yeah. could you talk a little bit more about your background and then Clint, kind of what operations means? Obviously that can mean different things at different places. So. Sure. Yeah. I've been on the elder board for over 10 years and my corporate life was really around marketing and HR and uh, throughout my career, really figuring out how do teams work well together but oftentimes seeing teams weren't working well together. So really just started to study and figure out how can you lead better in the workplace? And communication was a really key part of that. Absolutely. I, I It's just so fun to be here, Logan. Thanks for inviting us to be part of this. Keith and I have been spending tons of time together over the last couple of months here. Yeah, now we got you sitting close. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's all good. <laughs> it's just like, I feel like we're like two peas in a pod. Like mm -hmm. what, th this vision that we have for- I mean, You look like brothers. Yeah, we do. We are brothers, right? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. Brothers in Christ. Yeah, of course. Um, it's like the two skinny guys <laughs> on one side yeah. and then Keith football player. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, to, just to, to answer specifically your question about the scope of operations here at River Valley, it really is like the, the guts, the church, all the things that are happening behind the scenes. So our technology, our facilities, our finance, but at the end of the day, our people. Yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes operations can get this this misnomer that it's like intangible, sure. you know, and it's like, or or it's like, it's just like buildings and, and software. Mm -hmm. But like at the end of the day, operations is about the people that God's invited us. Yeah, it's so or good. Th that's God's asked us to steward. And so what I love about what we're trying to build is this realization that that's the greatest resource in front of us. It's part of how our church is moving forward. So how do we invest in them? How do we mm -hmm. care for them? And and that to me is the heart of what we're doing in ops is we're about people and we know those people have a purpose. Yeah, that's so good. I'm glad you distinguished that because I think at times people can feel, oh, those are the people who don't work with people when really it integrates with everything you do. And um you know, before diving in, I would just say to you guys, like there has been a a felt difference in the organization having intentionality. Not that, you know, I mean, our HR department before wasn't very big. And so a lot of it was just keeping up with things because it's hard to uh, work on something when you're always working in it, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think bringing you guys on in this role, um, obviously Clint, you shifted from a different role and, and Keith then coming onto the team has, people have felt it in the organization. I know I felt it. I know I've heard conversations about um, people feeling it, whether it's policies and procedures about, um, you know, pay or leave or different things like that, or real things like staff development and communication, things we'll talk about today. Mm -hmm. Just know that we appreciate you guys and couldn't couldn't speak high, more highly of you. And that's why I'm excited to have this conversation today. So it's just if been, I been a joy. I can interject real quick. Yeah. I think a lot of organizations, including churches, they do all the baseline HR stuff, like security and pay and benefits, the harder stuff is culture, mm. leadership, staff development. I mean, harder meaning you have to be intentional. You have to have other leaders buy in. And it's an investment because you really want your people to perform well. Yeah. We think, well, we love Jesus, which is great. But sometimes people haven't been equipped to how to lead a team. Yeah. Or they're great at performing their role, but no one's really caught them on, taught them on how to like have a crucial conversation. Totally. A coaching conversation. So we're trying to equip those leaders to be better effective leaders. Yeah. And, and I think that's where operations leaders can go to the next level is w when you when you kind of grab this realization that, you know, you probably heard this old adage that like 
culture either happens by design or by default, right? Mm. There's this sense yeah, that like sure. the culture and organization, it's either gonna be intentionally crafted and, and, and cultivated, or at some point, something's gonna manifest. And I think when operations leaders and HR leaders and anyone who kind of feels maybe behind the scenes, when, when you realize that part of your role is to be in lockstep and in partnership with culture creation in mm -hmm. an organization, it, it, it amplifies the impact that you're making yeah. with respect to people development and the ops side of, uh, of what a church is doing. So, and I, and I love Keith that you've kind of brought that sense of intentionality and focus to us. Like sure. we're all in this together mm -hmm. and it's either gonna happen by intentionality or something else is going to happen, and when something else happens, it it typically isn't always great. Right, right. And when the when the organization's small, like when when the church starts and it's the senior pastor and just a few staff, it's easier to control the culture or yeah. create the right culture. But as the church gets bigger and it's more distributed, you have to be more intentional about disciplines and competencies and values because that culture is kind of handed off to more and more leaders. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, part of I guess a question that comes from that is. You talk about it's easier when it's small. It's harder when it gets big. I think an initial response would be, well, I don't want to get big. Or, but but then I think you'd ask lead pastors in the same way. Well, I do want to get big. Right. So there's challenges that come with getting bigger. Um, as I mean, our organization now, I mean, we, we have you know, well over 100 um, that are a part of our team. Yep. Um, and, and obviously we have pastors and leaders and, and interns and all sorts of people. And so all staff becomes a, a big part of our culture. We do all staff meetings every month. Um, but but recently we had a, a roundtable with executive pastors that I know you were a part of, and the common thread and theme that when we asked people what is something you'd love to talk about at this roundtable was staff development. How do we be better at, at growing leaders? You know, communication. You know, the bigger we get, it used to be easy when we all could look at each other in the eye and right. say we're in agreement on that. Right. Well, now you have people that are sometimes they're gone or sometimes they're doing ministry and other things. Or for us on on a Tuesday, we have. I guess I don't know how many staff meetings, you know, dozens of staff meetings happening at the same time on the same day across right. different locations and different departments. Um, have, have, what are some of the things and, and themes maybe you've seen from uh, as we've gotten larger, obviously you both being a part of it for, for the church for several years that maybe have been growing pains and maybe some solutions that we've helped with churches that maybe went from two staff to five or five to 10, or, you know, get, getting several dozen people on the team. I, I think an interesting principle that you're highlighting here is that like people are the, is the, they're the rate limiting factor, mm -hmm. if you will, like the, the, the number of people you have, but at the end of the day, the quality of people that you have is what can sometimes put a lid on vision, mm -hmm. right? There's this sense that like, like the reason we want to grow and and add more people to the team is because there's more stuff in front of us. There's more that God wants to do in and through his church. And so how we go about usually accomplishing that is inviting more people into the fold. And and I think the other thing that's important here is that the principles that apply to how you build a staff with respect to culture and and accountability and all those things, those principles apply to volunteers. You know, yep, like yep. The, the, there's this human construct that we're trying to build, that we're trying to architect in order to pursue vision and to pursue the impact that God has for us. And each church is gonna cut that up in a different way. Some, some may lean with a very heavy volunteer context, others may lean with more staff, or maybe you have contractors that work with you. With you. Everyone who's a part of your people system I think is a part of the culture that you want to build. 
And then that also means it's part of the accountability. It's part of how you want to hold people to a standard of conduct or decorum or or a sense of, of connection and alignment with where the culture's at. So I, I'd love Keith to speak maybe to more of the practice, just given his experience in all this. But it, it just highlighted for me this principle that if we're going to pursue what God has in front of us, at the end of the day, one of the most valuable resources is people, and they typically are the resource that can put a lid. And it's not just the quantity of people. Sure. More often than not, it's the quality. Absolutely. I'll jump in with a quick coaching thing. I've been working with some staff is everyone's busy. Everyone's going a million miles an hour, which is we're, we're trying to change the world, which is amazing. But sometimes people default to whatever communication tool or technique is most convenient for them versus what's most effective. So there's nothing like a in-person connect or a phone call or mm-hmm. a Zoom, something like that, versus a quick text or a Slack. So we're coaching people to say, is this something you can communicate through a tool or should you get face to face with the person? Because then the emotional part, then the relationship part happens. But because we're so busy, we default to, well, I'll just send a quick text or email or whatever, Slack. And we don't, we don't, we default to that. And then there's mm-hmm. miscommunication because yeah. tone and all that. And it sounds like such a small thing, but you really have to be intentional. Like, and if you're in the same building, you just walk down and go talk to them. But when yeah. you're spread out or when you have people working remote, you really have to be intentional about the relationship part of the communication. Yeah. I know it's a small thing, but it's really important. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, at times, you know, we have several people that work in, in this building here. Um, but I'll, I'll be messaging with Carla who, who oversees our, our finances and her office is right next to Right mine. next to yours. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I'm wondering like, okay, yeah. will she feel like I'm being ingenuine by sending her a Slack message right. when literally she's right across, but is me getting up, knocking on her door, telling her something. It, it, so there's kind of that, I think yep. that's a, an, a more specific example, but I think what you're alluding to is that exact thing. Right. It's what is, what is the appropriate thing? Do I, should I wait till that meeting next week or should I give right. them that now? I, I think, you know, on the topic of communication that I think it's such a, a good thing to, to maybe take a little bit of a dive into is what are ways that we can, as, as team members, as leaders, like I know my dad, he's, he has so many stories that he shares with all staff of like pastors that would say, like, it's my way or the highway. You got to do this. And it's it's whatever I say. He was telling a story of a pastor who called one of the staff members. I want to say it was at the church he was at, but maybe it was a church in the area. And he, he called him at like midnight and said, I need you to come over to my house. And it's an emergency. And so the guy gets out of bed and, you know, gets dressed, drives over 10 minutes to his pastor's house and gets there, pastor, you know, what do you need? And he said, hey, um, there, could you go grab me a pen from the other room? I'm working on something. So he goes and grabs him a pen. He's like, okay, so what was it that you needed? He's like, that was all. Mm. And, wow. and he, you know, obviously there's a, there's a strong sense of entitlement in that. And, and right. as a person, you now are going, this is my leader. This is who I serve. I think culturally we've gotten to a point where that's maybe not acceptable anymore or wouldn't be as accepted as much. But I think that still rears its head in little moments, maybe not quite as aggressive yep. as that would be. But uh, Keith and Clint, can you talk a little bit more about how we've worked with our staff on communication, maybe even things we're still working on that were, again, by no means any of these things that we're perfect at, but things that maybe we've learned or things that have helped us to not have moments that maybe are are embarrassing moments that if they were to be broadcast for everyone to say, wow, that's how your staff treats each other. Or that's yeah. how you communicate with others. Can I give a metaphor for that? Please, yeah. When I've taught about communication, it's like we all have something to share. So think about like water coming out of a hose 
And sometimes you're, if you're cleaning your sidewalk or washing your deck, you got it on power wash and you want to clean it up. But if you're watering flowers, you put it on shower, so the same water comes out in a way that the plant can receive it. Mm. So part of it is like having people self-reflect to say, am I naturally like a power wash communicator? Like I hose someone down and I just, you know, like go after it. Well, maybe that's not the right technique. Mm. Or like if the building's burning down, you probably should be strong. But generally speaking, it's like shower. Yeah. How do you temper the words? How do you communicate in such a way that the person can receive it? Because you can hose down a flower and all the petals fall off and it's dead. Yeah. But you got your message out. Well, yeah. that's not a good team spirit. How, how do you, I mean, I, I think in a hose analogy, you yeah. just, you click the dial to go from yeah. power wash to, to yeah. shower. As a person, it's you first you have to have the awareness of that how do right. you how do you get the awareness to say this is my style because when you're leading you don't necessarily think about what my style is you see everyone else's but sure. you know unless you have a mirror in front of you you're only you're seeing the world through just your eyes yeah and some people they just have they have a manager that can communicate that to them they I, i'll tell people sometimes ask your spouse because you're, you're sure. probably doing the same thing at home. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how yeah, it is. No, like, well, true. you are a hose guy, you yeah. know, so how are yeah. you communicating? There are, there are tools like the DISC assessment sure. to understand, you know, like D or drivers, they might communicate a certain way. So part of it's just in the corporate world, there's a big topic around emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. having people kind of be self-aware that how they communicate affects a team. And the way you say words and put words together, if it's too forceful, and, and really it's learning how to flex. Because yeah. there's times where you have to be more forceful. Oftentimes you can be less forceful and yeah. how do you flex? So it's really, it's self-awareness and Holy Spirit, aren't you glad we're Christians? We can yeah. ask him, help us, teach me how to communicate better. Totally. I mean, Jesus was lion and lamb. Mm -hmm. So he was able to be lion when he had yeah. to be lion and lamb when he, was lion, uh, when he needed to be that way. So yeah. we, can, we can adjust that way. Very cool. I, I think there's this really powerful sense that we're all in a discovery of self-understanding and and like you're suggesting, Keith, there's probably so many different inputs that can help us gain a sense of who we are and, and who we're becoming. But we, all of us know we also have blind spots. There's not things we see perfectly. And that's where other people in our lives can help shed some perspective in ways that sometimes can be very difficult to notice in yourself. And and, and that's why I think like really good people managers um, are are able to take in perspective and feedback in multiple directions. In other words, like the, they're able to create a safe enough space and a courageous enough space for their peers, for the people that report to them and for the people that they report to, to be kind of that mirror on their life, to be able to get a fuller picture mm -hmm. of some of the things that we really succeed at and just have maybe a natural inclination toward. And then some things that way we find ourselves, it's harder. Like I got to try at that. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what Keith is reminding me of as we've gone through this process on helping our teams get better self-understanding is the sense that the purpose for that is not so that I can entrench myself more in who I'm supposed to be when that impacts how another person receives me. Hmm. You know, th there's the sense that we want to be true to who we are. God's wired us in ways that are uniquely powerful. And for such a time as this, those natural form formative things in us are going to rise up and respond in a way only I can respond in a way that only that that environment needs it to but there's also this humble deference that realizes that when I'm working with people from a diverse set of personality and perspective at the end of the day it's on me 
to be able to flex my communication style to be received the best rather than it's on them to catch it the best, mm -hmm. right? I'm thinking of like, I love watching football and and you can have a quarterback that just has the a, like an arm and he can sling it, you know, as hard as he wants, whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the defense, it's a soft zone and you got to float it in there. Yeah. And if you try to rifle it in, someone's just going to pick it off because they're sitting right in front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's this idea that you may have the ability to go hard every time yeah. and get your point across or, or go soft every time and like make it sound really soothing. But there's sometimes these moments where you either got to rise up and put a little put a little mustard on it, yeah. or you got to soften up so that it's received well, yeah. not just so that you say you can throw it well. And practically speaking, I think like I'm sure a pastor would be open to from leaders on his team after he delivers a sermon for feedback on his delivery, how he may have done the altar call. Sure. You could do the same thing in a staff meeting. Yeah. Maybe there's one confidant to say, hey, how did I do that? Yeah. Was it... Was I inclusive? Was I was I too strong there? There's usually someone that's just naturally gifted at this. Yeah. So invite them in as a coach. That's what I'll do. Even like when you're going to write a tough email or tough communication, there's usually someone that knows how to communicate in the right way that the person can actually receive it. So yeah. look for those people that are naturally gifted at that and bring them along on the journey. You'll get better because iron sharpens iron. Totally. I'll teach you how to do that. I think I think at times in in leadership, it's. There, I mean, there's a big sense of humility that needs to be had in order to have that, to say, because not when you ask for feedback, you're inviting mm -hmm. negative feedback. I mean, you hope it's more, positive. More often than not. Yeah, yeah more <laughs> often than not, yeah. because, you know, when especially when you're asking, they know what you're asking. They're not saying, right. sing my praises. And so I think it, I'm personally, I struggle with survey feedback. Mm -hmm. I, I do well with in-person, but like we'll do a survey after our conference and, and like the first one that I read, I was like, I felt like everything was a personal attack on me, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. and, and most of it, I mean, 90% of it was positive, right. but that 10%, it just, it hung with me, but it was because I couldn't have that conversation. So, and maybe this is wrong. Maybe I'm going to say, tell people not to do this. What I had is this, this, uh, uh, last event that we did that we did a survey, I gave it to Lindsay who oversees our network. And I said, can you look at the survey? Can you look at all the data? Cause that doesn't affect you that way. Can you bring to me the themes that were, that were, I don't want to read the actual words. Can you sure. bring to me the themes that were, uh, that, that were shared at the conference? And, and then I'm going to, I took them really well, but for whatever reason, when I read the, the, individual sentences, I tried to figure out who it was or what, why they were writing it. So I guess for me, again, doesn't mean that's the right way for everyone, but I know I need the feedback, but right. I said, Hey, can you help me? Cause I want to implement it, but mm -hmm. I just, maybe I I'm too, uh, you know, internally focused or I'm too focused on myself that that affects me. But I feel like sometimes there's ways that we can strat strategically yep. still implement those things. When, when, uh, when you think about other examples of that on, on things that we can do to, to set ourselves up. Like you said, mm -hmm. it's staff meeting. Hey, could you, every staff meeting, could you just give me a debrief of what you loved and what you didn't? I think mm -hmm. that's important too. Make, mm -hmm. give me things you love yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if there's things that come to mind or maybe you say, Keith, you say, Logan, that's a bad idea, but. No, I think, I think that's it's, it's, it, what you're saying is, you know, yourself, yeah. you could have overreacted to a verbatim comment, mm -hmm. but you're able to act constructively when the themes were there. Yeah. That's just knowing yourself. Yeah. Uh, I think having trusted confidants, we already covered that. I think figuring out kind of communications of rhythm, mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of people, um, they bring up the right topic at the wrong time. 
and then schism happens. Maybe sure. there's a big meeting, and then right after that, he got a second. Like, you're not going to go up to your senior pastor right before the sermon and talk about something wrong with the bathroom. Yeah. You know, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, my dad has time. that rule. Yeah. He says, no bad news yeah. before my sermon right. that so, day. Yeah. Right. So it's like he's he's communicating, like, in this moment, here's the kind of things that I want to be communicated with. So he's yeah. just, but he's, but he's like taking away the mystery, yep. you know? So, mm. hey, at any time, bring an issue to me, but bring it with a constructive idea. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to add more. No, I, 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 as you were just talking, Logan, it just, it just reminds me that the work that we do as ministers, as pastors, as leaders, it's deeply personal work. Yeah. Like so much of who we are is poured out into the sermons we preach, the ministries we stand up or the conferences or events that we're doing or the pastoral meetings that we're having with people like, you just can't escape how deeply personal invested this work in. But we all know that there, there's more that we could do. There's better that we could be. Yeah. And and it's not it's not just to run a rat race to like prove that you're perfect, but it's the sense that like we're all on a journey. Mm-hmm. We all are learning. We all are getting better at the things that God's invited us to do. And such a crucial piece of that equation to get better is someone else giving us a vantage point that yeah. we can't see ourselves. And and so to, to Keith's encouragement, just knowing how each of us are wired to receive that is such a key part of how we're going to to, to be able to take that in and, and have God use that in a way for us to continue to make the next conference better, to make the next sermon better, to make the next the small group strategy better, you know, because, and the better is for people. It's so that other people can be ministered and be, and be impacted by the work that God's asked us to do. So I, I just deeply resonate with that, and I, I appreciate so much your your vulnerability and just being mm-hmm. able to articulate that because it reminds me this work is personal. It's yeah. real, and so much of me is in it that mm-hmm. anytime, even if it's the right thing, it's like, yeah. no, I know. Like totally. it's just it's hard to hear it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember I was having a um. A, a like coaching session um, with with someone who was helping our team, and right when I got married, and he said, "How's marriage going?" And I said, "It's going well." And he said, "What what are you know what are some things that are happening?" I said, "I've realized how selfish I am." Mm-hmm. But I said, "I haven't done anything about it yet." <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah. there's a lot of leaders yeah. who find themselves in that situation right. at work. It's like. Again, they, all leadership books say awareness is the first part, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm aware at how selfish I am. I'm aware, but I haven't done anything about it. But the, these tools can help you to say, hey, mm-hmm. these are these are things um, that you can you can do, you, things that you can change, things you can process with. When you look at um, mm-hmm. maybe other challenges that you see in working with people in HR, obviously it's such a broad idea, yeah. but maybe some of the themes um, that you guys are finding as you're working on this, I know... Um, my dad, we we recorded this episode and it, I think it released a, a few weeks ago and he was talking about how excited he was that we shared our October All Staff about, um, you know, first up, next up, lead up and coach up. Yeah, he, yeah. he was just so beaming about it. I know you guys have been a big part of that, but what are some of the things that you've been learning that have led to some of those developments? Well, one of the things I'll just give a, a bigger construct is we've been saying, all right, we have employees and staff and they have managers, and there's the enterprise. And mm-hmm. We've been wrestling with how much of this is on the employee to raise their hand and say, yeah, I need development here in my functional skill, yep. or maybe my kind of cultural quotient, 
Or how much is the manager directing that with the employee? Or how much is the enterprise, the organization, driving that through, like things like all staff or some of these programs? So we're we're just wrestling with if it's a percentage, just I'm giving I'm on your hotspot claim. But this is really important because (laughs) is it all top down directed? Is it bottom up directed or it's a blend? We think it's a blend. Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure out what the right blend is. Yeah. Because ultimately we want people that are self learners, Mm -hmm. that are, hey, I want to grow on the Lord, I want to grow on my function, I want to grow on the team. We want the manager to be directly accountable or responsible or open enough to talk to that employee about their strengths and their weaknesses. And we want the enterprise to drive certain things so we keep a common culture. I probably stole your no, thunder I, there. I, I think the conundrum we find ourselves in when it comes to investing and in, in evaluating our people is is normally there's, there's one of two like difficult situations that arise. And one is that you promoted someone too quickly mm. and b- because your organization is growing and, and something about them showed that they were ready for it. And it normally happens in one of two ways where it gets a little bit dicey and sticky. And the first is that in their particular function of the role, they're an amazing worship leader, you know? And you're kind of like, but I need someone to lead all the worship leaders. So I mm-hmm. need someone to lead all the creative functions of this church yeah. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And because they demonstrated some really like beautiful skills in, in the art of worship leading, sure. we then asked that person to lead a team. Mm-hmm. We, we, we asked them to, to take on a skill set that at the end of the day, we haven't necessarily seen in them. Sure. But we've seen this anointing, this amazing ability for them to lead worship. And we presume that that then means they can lead teams and yeah. lead initiatives mm-hmm. and lead strategies, mm-hmm. which could be the case or could not. But more often than not, it normally doesn't connect like that. Mm-hmm. And then you put someone in a leadership position that we haven't developed to lead. Mm-hmm. We just saw an anointing and decided to activate on it. And we didn't necessarily provide the pathway for them to rise up to grab that leadership potential. We just presume they already had it because we saw another gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what happens is you have someone that really is pretty competent at organizing, managing, leading, and they can get it done. But the way they go about doing it isn't mm. the culture. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you so that that's the other conundrum is you have someone with high influence in the organization whose cultural quotient, to borrow some some language from Keith there, is not exactly what you want. And now what can happen is within the culture, you can have bifurcation. You can have influential people leading a different culture mm. than what the organization would mm-hmm. like or would really want. And now you have another conundrum. So it, what we did with kind of these lead up, next up, first up type environments is we said, how do we create spaces that can counteract against one of those two extremes? High influencers that really don't have the leadership capital or high influencers that don't have the culture capital? Hmm. And how do we close the gap on either of them, on, on both of them? So next up is like, here's emerging leaders in our org. Let's help them in their leadership quotient. Let's yeah. help them learn how to be great leaders. So as they continue to grow in the org, they can steward those positions well. And first up was this idea that says, in lead up, they're, they're, they're kind of uh, tackling the culture question from two angles. First up is like when new people are coming into the org, how do we help them assimilate culture faster than they assimilate influence? So it's almost this idea that like our primary intent for you is that you become part of sure. the culture so that as you continue to grow, you're not, you're not veering off, you're, going, you're coming mm-hmm. into alignment. And then lead up was the sense that we have managers and people influencers all over the org 
what's the like what's the like shining light that they can be drawn to that pulls them toward culture and how can we be very intentional about that so that to me is what we felt really strongly about how do we invest in leaders how do we double down on culture and some of these ups kind of came out as yeah. a result of that and i can add some context as well that was a great summary the We've been at, had a separate project where we had this cross-functional group, so a wide variety of employees from staff from all different functions, building out competencies. Mm-hmm. So we're saying anyone that works here has to have these set of core competencies. So it's not functional, but it's like core uh, competencies that for all staff. And then we said, okay, there's a ne- another level like emerging leaders, like proficient in Microsoft Word. And- <laughs> yeah, that, that's a functional one, right? Yeah. Right, but yeah, that's that's a good a functional one. But yeah. we're talking about like. A core competency for us might be adaptability. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of change, so or project management. So yeah. it's like you got for every employee, you have to have these level of core competencies. Sure. And then we see there's emerging leaders, so they're not necessarily managing someone, but they might be just people go to them. They're the go-to. Yeah. They're the subject matter expert. They're the one that kind of helps the team move forward. Then there's leaders of ma- people managers, and then there's leaders of leaders. Mm-hmm. So we built out this kind of four layer of competencies. Now we can train to those competencies or have those competencies be part of these up programs. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that was a lot of foundational work. Yeah. But that allows us to staff better, to do better interviewing, yeah, to, to do, do recruiting, to do recruiting, yeah. to build a better job description. Because if you don't define the competency, oh, we're going to read that one book because it's a good book. Yeah. Well, but does that book support our competencies? Yeah. What's so interesting to me and is. And, and this isn't a critique, but I think it's a, an observation, is a lot of what we've been talking about is it's culture, it's leadership quotient, it's all those things. Not necessarily spiritual maturity, not mm. necessarily um, theological understanding. Mm. I think I think my point in that is a lot of the problems that we have in our organization are people problems, their culture problems, their leadership. Like in, in a church, especially you know, if, if you're willing to work at a church, there is an understanding that you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's an right. understanding that you're in agreement with at least many of the big rocks of what is theological position. But it's it's just interesting that our conversation hasn't really brought that up. It's been very practical and tactical. And I think mm-hmm. that goes to show you can work with people with differing beliefs, but a lot of the issues that come up is how we communicate with them, how we lead them, how we, how mm-hmm. we manage, how we develop them. And that, that was just an observation that mm-hmm. I had that I, I think in a church, in a you know podcast called Talking Church, it's a lot of things that, and, and no doubt there's influences from the corporate world, there's influences from operations, but I think that should be a, I would say a, a an idea for people to, to think about. Our HR cannot just be, we need to pray that we get the right people and we set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. We got the person God wanted us to have a have on our team and that means everything's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. There is a process to this. Mm-hmm. And I, I I just I think that observation is helpful for people to know that we do want to pray for people and we do. Mm-hmm. We, we prayerfully consider who the right people are. We have a process. There's things that come in that case. Obviously there's a a, a holiness standard that we need to set as as pastors and leaders and, and people um, working in a church. But I, I find that a lot of these issues are things that, as you mentioned, Keith, corporate world is trying to figure out, but we have that unique value in that right. we have the Holy Spirit leading us right. in making these decisions. Yeah, and some of these things are practical. We were just talking to one of our pastors about, let's say you're a pastor and someone's been on your deacon roster for years, mm-hmm. but they're not really 
functioning as a deacon. Absolutely. So you probably should talk to them. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to talk to them. You've talked to them. Yeah. I'm afraid to talk to them. So, so you're going to raise a standard. Like this is what we expect our mm. deacons to do. So I love you. I'm like, so, so one pastor is like, I'm, I'm ignoring it. The other one's like, I'm going to go pound yeah. them. It's like, well, no, both of those are wrong answers. So how do you in a healthy way wow. face that circumstance? So there's practical communication techniques, things you can do to yeah. face that circumstance. But it's because you can't like bury it and you can't like blast it. Yeah. But those are our natural kind of, I hide or I, I scream. Mm, yeah. Both of those are unhealthy ways to communicate. Yeah. And blessing for us that uh, all of those are rooted in scripture, you know, yeah. you know, in Matthew talking about go to one another. And, and I just think that so many of those things, it's like the, you know, the corporate management structure is you, you read the book of Proverbs and it's like, wow, I could be, if I just followed all that, I would be right. an amazing leader. Right. But unfortunately, um, we're not perfect in that. I'd love for our team, we'll, we'll put this together. Um, so when this releases, that there's a, a PDF they can download. And so if you just yeah, go, that's cool. for those listening, um, if you just go to the network.rivervalley.org slash podcast on our podcast tab, we'll have a, a download for them that I think would be helpful that we can yeah, that's great. show them what that is, some of the explanations of what um, what those steps are for people. So uh, for those listening, if that's a, be a value, we'd love for you to uh, download that and, and kind of have more information. And of course, we're available as the network to, to help with any of that. I know you guys are um, helping and with mm -hmm. even other churches as well. So for those who do have interest in maybe asking more questions, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, just, we want to be a resource to all those churches and pastors. But with that, I just want to say thank you, you guys. I'm I, Again, I I think I, every podcast we record, I have more questions than answers because I'm like them. So I just have so many more things that I want to get mm -hmm. to, but I think this has helped a lot of people. And I know it's helped me um, and, and I know our team to just take those next step forward and know that, like you said, God has given us people and that is our opportunity to steward. And so I just love that you guys were um, vulnerable sharing in that and, and giving us some insight into some of the hard work you've been doing. So just want to say thank you and excited right. to see how this is implemented at churches. So right. awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.